But again, um, Spike Lee also emerges in the late 80s. Um, and I tell young people now uh, in my courses that you, you cannot have a conversation about being a person who loves film and not have been influenced by Spike Lee. It's just not possible because he literally cracked things open. Uh, so a lot of filmmakers who I study now, um, I didn't know about their work you know, as a teenager or a young adult. It was really the emergence of Spike Lee and then concurrently other voices and other figures and other uh, filmmakers start to emerge. But really it was those things that kind of opened film up as a lane of possibility. Welcome back, lords, ladies, and lovelies, to Black Girl Tea Party. I'm Aaliyah Dorsey. And I'm Yasmeen Hill. First things first, let's get right into the brew. Aaliyah, what's brewing for you this week? I have two brews this week, and I'm going to start with the upsetting, with the um, more upsetting one, and then we can end on a happier note. Um, so Tim Burton, with Miss Qu- with um, his new movie, um, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, features Samuel L. Jackson, who will be the first black actor to play a leading role in a Burton movie, according to Bustle. Um, but he, so Bustle asked him about like how this happened and like um, about kind of diversity in his films, to which he said in response, I remember back when I was a child watching the Brady Bunch and they started to get all politically correct. Like, okay, let's have an Asian child and a black. I used to get more offended by that than just, I grew up watching black exploitation movies, right? And I said, that's great. I didn't go like, okay, there should be more white people in these movies. And like, honestly, this was just like, like the point really like flew over his head with this quote. Like that's what this quote is saying to me is that like the point of having diverse films really just had never occurred to him. And you can tell that by this quote, because like, honestly, like I'm very much over like begging film or like Hollywood to put black people in movies, you know, like I just, I'm honestly so tired because like, this is just like showing to me like on a like on a grander scale like that at the end of the day like the reason why there aren't a lot of like black people in film both like in front of the camera and behind it is just because like Hollywood doesn't want there to be black people in these spaces you know like honestly if they wanted if they wanted it we would be there and it's really frustrating to me that like this is this is his response to being like called out for not having diverse films you know like i'm just and also it it shows me that like he views like white people as like a default person you know as like a person who like there isn't um a lot like that is already like kind of put on them you know and it's just you know, it's saying to me that maybe he's not that great of a creator as a result. Like, if you, if you're out here, like, thinking in that way, then, like, and maybe not, like, examining the way that you make film and the way that, and the actors in the, that you cast in these films and, like, the characters that you create and the worlds you create and those, all the people in those worlds look just like you, then it's kind of like, well, how, how well do you really understand the medium that you're working within, you know, like, how can you really like think of yourself as a creator if you are not also thinking outside of yourself a bit? So that's just like disappointing to me. Um, and honestly, a little appalling. But in brighter news, I was on Twitter, girl. And <laughs> I follow Lil Nas X. And he released like a snippet of a song. And this line, it just like sent me. Uh, he says, um, I don't fuck bitches, I'm queer. 
And like, honestly, listen, I'm not a man loving man, but if I was, I would bump that lyric for days. I would be losing my mind over that lyric um, because it goes kind of hard. It goes really hard. Like it just does. Um, and I'm just honestly like really proud of this man. Like I really am a big fan of the little snippets that he posts on Twitter of like his newer songs and I really want him to give us a full album like that's all I want I want him to give us some music he hasn't released anything in a minute and I want it so bad like I want him to stop teasing us with little snippets because everything all, all the snippets are so good and so catchy and I'm like sir give me new music to like bop to like like Will Nas if you ever hear this just know that I'm thinking about you and I want you to like give me what I want and I just think it's also important that like you know he is a gay man in hip-hop and I think that that's incredibly important to the medium and important to the art form you know like his coming out was not the way that I think he probably wanted it to be and I think that that's like you know that's a that's a shame on a whole other level but you know I'm just proud of him and I'm really glad that he's in this space and he's like owning who he is and I'm such a big fan and yeah that's why he's my brew but um enough to be gushing about this band that i love um yasmin what is brewing for you this week gosh well okay before i say my brew i have a quick quick response to this tim burton situation because i'm glad that you brought it up like we were literally just talking about this i just felt like i need to say it like as a young person because i loved television i loved film i was like can always watching movies and i love scary movies i think that's like my favorite genre like horror psychological horror and thrillers and stuff like that so i associate um you know a lot of good parts of my childhood watching tim burton's projects you know what i'm saying like and especially now it's spooky season like this is his season and i feel like to hear this or even to see it at first like when I read I'm like oh no there's no way that this is real but I feel like it's just really disappointing like it is heartbreaking almost to a point but it's like I've been disappointed by people like this so many times so I just have to laugh but I don't know yeah it's it's heartbreaking that like something that uh you associate with such positive memories or like that you related to so deeply um as a child like looking at this creator and being like oh well that's cool, but there's no space for you in my world. So hey, go, you know, enjoy black exploitation if you want to. Like that's just kind of ridiculous to me. Um, and so I feel like it's going to impact how I enjoy his films from now on because it's like, yeah, as an individual, I don't think Tim Burton really owes me anything, right? But I feel like we're allowed to like interpret his art and his work like in different ways and so yeah for him to be so successful i think it's really disheartening that in his fictional world the default is still like white people and apparently to him it's the idea of his characters being black is more absurd than some of the things that actually happen on screen so that's my two cents on that one but my brew Right on theme, I wanted to talk about the show Glow, which recently got canceled, the Netflix original series, The Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, um, was canceled two weeks ago. And in the LA Times, um, there's an article, before Glow got canceled, its actresses of color felt disempowered by their roles. Uh, the article says, as a principal women of color on a show tackling racist and offensive stereotypes, we have felt disempowered throughout our time on GLOW. The letter reads, it has been problematic to use our faces, oftentimes solely in the context of a racist storyline, and to be brief with our story development to serve the in-depth white storylines. So, I don't know, I think that that is kind of disappointing, but I'm a split. Because part of it is, because the show takes place in the 80s, it's like there wasn't a lot of agency for women of color really anywhere. Um, But because the show is fictional, it's like you do have the space to like broadcast all different types of narratives. Like you shouldn't be bound to like just, you know, it's going back to that conversation of like viewing white people as the default. And at the point where like, 
these very real actresses of color are not satisfied with really how their characters are being portrayed on screen or even just like if the root of their character is just their race or ethnicity right like for me i don't know i feel like it's always hard for like actors especially to speak up about the way their roles are being portrayed especially when they are like people of color especially like women of color because like they're just there already aren't a lot of um a lot of spaces for us in film or media anyway and so it's kind of like speaking up is always really hard because then it's like what if you don't get like cast again another part what if you get blacklisted like what if like there are people who just don't want to work with you after speaking about it but I don't know I'm very proud of them for at least like saying something you know because which we talk about later we'll talk about later in the show but it's like black people deserve to have like not only be in the space but have like good and developed and multifaceted like parts in the space and I think that that's like something that I think is like the next step that I think we need to really consider when we talk about like representation in media is like don't just have white black people there like have them there but have them there with a purpose you know and have that purpose be something that is on par with their white counterparts you know I think it also speaks to the debate that like diversity isn't the like band-aid that'll fix all your problems you know what i'm saying like i mean yeah basically what you're saying like i think it's more than just being there you have to be involved with these characters um you know develop them in the same way but the letter was co-signed by uh many like i said before uh seidel noel Brittany young shakira barrera Kia Stevens and Ellen Wong and like these are all women that play recurring characters on the show and the show has been like acclaimed for how diverse the cast is so I don't know we'll see yeah I don't know what this means like for the future because the show has been canceled but I think it would be interesting to see like what these actresses specifically do next yeah I'm gonna be looking out for them honestly my new faves Yes, yes. But with that, it's time for tea. And I'm actually really excited for this week's topic. We'll be discussing black film, the impact, the process, and the icons. And speaking of icons, I talked with film and media scholar Dr. Michelle Prettyman about her relationship with film and art and the trajectory of film for the black community. Um, As a young person, I was interested in Black arts, Um, and I had read up and and studied a lot about the Black arts movement. Um, And quite frankly, there was not a lot of film discourse out there because the filmmakers that existed, you really could not see their, the Black filmmakers that existed, you could not see their films readily. So I think I was 18 and I saw some documentary films. And I'd always loved documentary films and been watching them um, in my childhood. But I saw saw Stanley Nelson's film called Two Dollars in a Dream about Madam C.J. Walker. And that really kind of rocked my world. And I saw that at a museum. So this is not stuff that's necessarily accessible. Um, And I saw a few other films like that that were films that were hard to see. but I was interested in theater, though I hadn't really done much theater. I was interested in acting, but was kind of too shy to really start acting. Um, so gradually, I realized that, you know, film seemed like a way to go. But again, um, no, I think uh, this speaks to my personal relationship with film. Um, I, like I said before, I have, I'd say complicated, but it's really not. I just really liked film. I always have. Um, I am not ashamed to say that like as a kid I was always watching TV and not in like a oh I don't want to go outside kind of way I was just so immersed I was enamored with <clears throat> storytelling in different films and like uh you can I still talk <laughs> like in movies now because I I love that I love to think about films critically and I feel like once you start doing that it's really hard to stop like I can't watch films just for you know, just for a good laugh and then never think about it, never talk about it again. I feel like even really, even like (laughs) uh, films that might see like childish or or like not that deep 
on the surface I still really like what I like to think about and there are definitely films that have shaped you know my view on storytelling um some films that I just I just like watching you know uh because I, I don't think everything has to be like a this like deep academic debate um but I think that's like the beauty of film too is that you all of those all of that can exist like I can laugh at um what's a fun movie <laughs> I can laugh at like uh the Lion King or something like that and then also be very moved by uh three ebbing three billboards outside ebbing missouri or i can be intrigued by us or i can be like scared to by midsummer and i can all of those feelings can exist um in this realm so yeah i i i definitely don't have the same kind of relationship with film as you do i am not a i am not a film scholar um as you are yes me but um you know, I do like love movies, you know, um, I think a lot of the movies that I enjoy are mostly like movie musicals, you know, <laughs> like those are really kind of the ones that like stick with me and that I come back to over and over again because they like make me happy and they like bring joy into my life. I think like my family didn't really go to like to the movie theater a lot, but like we would sit at home and like watch movies together, you know, so like a lot of my early memories of watching movies are with my family, you know, like we always watched like whatever new Tyler Perry movie was coming out. Um, or we would watch like, you know, or like any of his plays that were filmed, um, you know, or like, again, like I really love animation. So also like a lot of my film, all, a lot of the movies that I really enjoy are like animated. And so kind of for, for film for me is like escapism, you know, like I, I watch a movie when my life is getting kind of rough and I just really want to, um, I want to do something that really isn't going to like make me think a whole lot or if it does make me think or, or it does make me feel, it gives me like a safe space to like release an emotion. Like, like when I watched Moonlight for the first time, I was like in a very awkward place about like my own blackness and about my own queerness. And I never gotten to experience both those things together in the same way. And so I watched Moonlight with my, um, with, well, we weren't partners then, we're partners now uh, with my partner. And, um, it was like a really, it was a beautiful moment of release for me that getting to like see my body in that way. And so, yeah, so film has always been just like, my main mode of escapism. Right, academia offers certain tools to do that. Um, so obviously that's that's a part of what I do, a big part of what I do is um, finding ways to interpret these texts, these films that use certain language. And, and oftentimes we're speaking to, as academics, each other, right? Um, sometimes the challenge is to for me to find a, a way to communicate how I do the work of film studies to other audiences, right? So that's sometimes a challenge. And I do consider myself a public intellectual, right? I'm not just an academic. Um, I've, in many respects, tried to find ways to, to talk to people about film. Um, and that's been a big part of, of what I do. Um, so Yasmeen, what is your favorite Black film? I do not like this question because I feel like as soon as I answer, I'll think of like three other answers, <laughs> but that just goes to show like, you know, I really like, okay. How about just like, give me, give me like, 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 like top five. How about that? <laughs> Princess and the Frog is up there. Um, just because I remember seeing it when I was like about the end. Okay, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you the top five. Uh, in no particular order, <laughs> Princess and the Frog is up there. Um, 
just because I remember seeing it when I was like nine years old in the movie theater and Dr. Facilier is still my favorite villain like of all time because he was so scary but like fabulous and motivated like a bad guy but you know <laughs> he was resolved <laughs> oh my God, yes. um i loved watching crooklyn as well i have like spike lee's crooklyn i have like very distinct memories watching that too um and it's just so well done i also really like friday i feel like you can't like if you're talking about black film yeah you can't not talk about humor so I know. So that's on my list. <laughs> um, I'm going to put I'm going to put us up there as well. If we're talking about black film, like black filmmakers, us is definitely on my list. Oh my god, you're so much better than me. I could not. I had to watch us because I'm a big scaredy cat and I cannot. Oh, no. Oh, no. Then we have to do a follow-up after you've seen it because well, I can't give any spoilies, oh but God, Lupita no. kills it. <laughs> kills it, literally. Listen, like, Jordan Peele is just going to get um, get out from me um, because that was kind of like suspenseful. But us, mm, I don't know about that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's terrifying. <laughs> but not in the ways know. that you would think. I don't know, because I don't do horror movies like that. Not in the so, ways that you would think. I don't know. I want to give him my coins, but... <laughs> and what's another one more one more <sighs> dream girls the musical <laughs> yes okay i feel you I, those are some good choices oh my god now you have me thinking about like more than one film okay so i i i definitely have to say the whiz like the film um because i remember being a little girl and watching the whiz and just like being so mesmerized by it and how like like it was just like it was it was this black musical you know like I oh my god I love that movie so much um it just it always just brought me joy and I loved the um the 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 NBC um live action uh version of it that was also like really good and beautiful um, and all my family got together and watched that film. Um, cause I just love, I feel like you don't get a lot of incidents of like black people in like these, uh, fantasy settings. And so that movie just ugh, does it for me. Um, I also, what's affectionately called in the culture, the Brandy version of Cinderella, but you know, it's really like, you know, like Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella. Um, I love that movie. I cannot come, I cannot like explain this the 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 deep love i have for that movie because like first of all that is truly like um like race neutral casting <laughs> like i had a huge crush on the prince in that film because he's so deeply sincere and he's just like silly and he's oh my god he's beautiful also he's just gorgeous like he's he's so beautiful he's a handsome man i was in love with him and like brandy was so beautiful in that dress i just oh my god like okay because this this came out before like we had the prince the princess and the frog and so i just did not i did not have black princesses but i saw brandy in this beautiful blue dress and my eyes like like lit up because what a wonder she was um and also whitney houston may she may she rest in peace what a queen she gave us something <laughs> that no one else was giving us um and I, I love that film just because of the absolute wonder that it gave me as a child. Um, but of course, I also love Into the Spider-Verse, which I'm going to bring in an animated movie. Um, Into the Spider-Verse is a masterpiece and nothing will ever compare. Um, I cannot, I think, the, I think the, the sequel to it is coming out in 2022. Um, and I cannot wait uh, because I love that film. Um, and I also, so very, I think this summer... I watched Black Klansmen for the first time, um, and oh my god, listen, I don't think I've ever really interacted with the Spike Lee movie, but like, that movie went off, it went hard, it was visually very beautiful, it was, oh my god, it was so good, it was so good, I loved it, it was poignant, it was 
it was great oh and i also you know i also have to say moonlight moonlight is honestly probably the best movie in existence like no no other film will compare to moonlight for me the tenderness moonlight has the the visuals that moonlight has the the motion i i i can't i can't like explain just how visceral that movie was for me and like watching it was just everything to me i i love it so much so moonlight is my favorite favorite movie good all good choices but i will be giving you a watch list because <laughs> you have to have to watch really anything by spike lee we i talked about this with dr prettyman he shifted film for the black community okay but that's fine <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> oh. I hate this question only because I'm always so behind. Um, one of the perils of the work I do is when you watch, you aren't often able to watch current things. Um, I do, fortunately, I do have two things that have excited me. I was just talking to my daughter about them. Um, so on Netflix, um, there's a film by Rada, um, blank called the 40 year old version which i've watched several times now and i don't typically watch things more than once unless i really like them uh, and there's also a film um called residue about this young man's experience uh in washington dc sort of coming back to washington dc and and seeing how the neighborhood has changed and part of it is gentrification but part of it is this just this kind of disorientation to the place where he was raised. Um, it's called Residue and it's, it's phenomenal. And um, that director's father was one of my mentors. Um, so it's just cool to see his son get his film out there. Um, but those are two things that I've seen. I've not seen a lot, honestly. Um, and some of that is just by choice because it just overwhelms me. It's like, and then, you know, people are sort of waiting for your reactions and it's like, don't wait, because I haven't seen it. <laughs> but yeah, those are, two, those are two things that I've loved. The 40-year-old version and Residue on Netflix. Yeah, right, right, right. After after I saw that, I was like, yeah, I definitely need to like watch more Spike Lee films because I know my sister really likes his movies, and so I'm like, you know what? Maybe I need to like you know watch up on uh on his on his stuff. Now, while there have been some gains, there are still notable disparities in Hollywood, according to the Hollywood Diversity Report from 2019. Quote, despite notable gains for the group since the previous report, POC remains underrepresented on every employment front since 2016-2017. For this report, that includes behind the scenes and in front of it. And it's like really a shame because there is significant money in diverse casting. Films with casts that were ranging from 31 to 40 percent minority actors enjoyed the highest median global box office receipts, while those with majority minority cast posted the highest median return on investments. By contrast, films with the most racially and ethnically homogenous cast were the poorest performers. Also according to the same study, only two out of 10 lead actors in film are people of color. I also think we need to consider the way that Black people are represented in film. Well, there, I think there are several different vectors of that debate. A lot of times that line of thinking comes up when people talk about uh, seeing images of enslaved people in film and 12 Years a Slave. Um, for some reason, that film, the, I mean, I understand in some ways, but that film codified that discussion a lot of people felt like you know i don't want to see this anymore um i think it's and, and let me just say first there are some extraordinary scholars who write about this right you talked about interpretation so first sometimes when we're when we're given images and ideas we don't quite know what to do with them and so part of the work that academia does is it gives us tools and a framework so years ago elizabeth alexander wrote about uh watching the Rodney King video uh, and what that meant. And so many other people have written subsequently about images of violence, but I think we need context, we need tools. I don't know if we're equipped um, fully to take in this moment, to, to, to navigate 
violence and what Sadia Hartman calls scenes of subjection. I don't know that we're equipped to do that. So uh, I think not, I choose personally not to look at those things now. Um, if, it's, if I'm on Twitter and I know something, I just don't, I don't look at it. I don't click on it. I just don't, but that's a choice I make for my own well-being. Um, but you mentioned also in the context of film, there's no right answer because each film sort of navigates how it depicts violence very differently, right? So um, there are some filmmakers that I think are so uh, acutely aware of the notion of care in their work that I would be willing. So if, if Barry Jenkins is going to show me an, an act of violence, I, he has garnered my trust in him as a filmmaker who doesn't traffic in a kind of gratuitousness around the black body. So I would not, I would, he, he then engenders a kind of respect from me and a kind of trust in him. Other filmmakers have, have not done that for me. So I'm less likely to traffic in or circulate how they would represent violence, right? So mm -hmm. each filmmaker does it differently. Like, I've been thinking about this a lot because um, I I saw a TikTok um, recently um, that kind of like, uh, it was this girl and she was portraying the various uh, stereotypes that black women um, are cast into in media. And like, you know, it's either like we're a whore who needs God and a man or a prude who needs to get over herself or we're these like strong black women archetype whose main trait is like being angry or we're just kind of like the sassy black best friend to a white counterpart and honestly like in all of those roles it's like we are either being like a prop for another character or we're being some kind or our, our um bodies are kind of being outcasted in this way or overly sexualized or overly or just kind of like falling prey to hyper masculinity in black women um you know and i was thinking about this because like listen i mentioned earlier that my family like loves tyler perry movies and i'll probably continue to watch tyler perry movies however however um i do think that his films often fall prey to a lot of these stereotypes and i do think that as a writer he does tend to cast black women in these very like one-dimensional parts um that are falling prey to a lot of tropes that i don't think are beneficial for the continuance of black women especially in film um and you know, like I like I, I, I think his work is important to the black to the black lexicon of film. However, I also just think that like he's like my prime target when I talk about the way that black women are presented in film because I just think that his films have had a great impact on that image. Yeah. Um in terms of like trauma and like black death and trauma being represented on screen. Um, like I can see both sides of the, of the discussion uh, because I know that that's something that is not even a hot button issue, but I think something that I'm seeing being talked about more, especially since um, Black Lives Matter was at a height um, this past summer and this past couple months, like we talked about in our BLM episode. Um, you know, we talked about how, or I guess people are talking about how this, this viral spread of like black trauma and death has like a, a very real and like direct effects on black mental health. And so, you know, when you think about that same sort of depiction in film where like a choice had to be made like somebody made a choice wrote it down did whatever they needed to do and through like a series of you know different levels of production it ends up on screen and so uh i feel like oftentimes like black people in film 
we're not given like that not a lot of times we're seeing it <clears throat> we're seeing it happen more often where race is becoming less of like a central theme in films you know that have black people in them but i feel like for a long time it was either like you're you're the criminal and you were born in the hood and this is like the life that you have been living or you are a slave really or you know something like that instead of being you know I feel like we weren't given like the oh black people feel love and pain and sorrow or joy in the way that we saw like other characters experiencing that um and yeah I don't know I haven't seen Antebellum for this reason like that's the reason I haven't seen Antebellum yet is because I don't know if really emotionally I can handle um seeing more like black slave imagery or stuff like that uh I'm not sure you know no Tino shade to my good sis Janelle Monet, but I don't know if if that's something that I personally need in my life and then when you think about it it's like if black people aren't wanting to see this then I don't I don't know who who we're showing the trauma for does that make sense like who is it for right that okay that is that is a big deal to me because okay so I was I have an anecdote I was (laughs) I was in class one day and we were reading we were reading um we were reading a slave narrative and I think we were reading Orinoco which by the way Orinoco is a garbage book but we can get into my my literary feelings about Orinoco later um but either way, um, a classmate brought up the movie um, 12, 12 Years a Slave. And we were like, you know, talking about slavery, um, talking about its impacts on our world and on Western culture. And she had like asked me if I had seen it, you know, and I said no. And she was like visibly taken aback <laughs> by the fact that I hadn't seen this film. And I was like, no, I, I don't watch like slave movies. Um, and I don't just because like, I being in a black body kind of comes with so much trauma and I already like have like dedicated a lot of like my time and my energy to talking about being black online and like advocating for um like you know black people through my social and in my life that like I just kind of can't take looking at black pain in the thing that I use to escape from it if that makes sense you know like I just I just couldn't do it and I probably am and like I love Janelle Monae and I love her work I just do not think I'm I don't think I'm ever going to see Antebellum because I don't think I'm ever going to be in the place emotionally to see it and I worry about films like that only just because I feel like I know that like people like non-black people are going to see this and I worry that like they are going to come to associate black bodies with that trauma and only with that trauma and not enough with like black joy and with black softness and that we might not get complex characters if we continue like promoting these stories in the way that we do i don't know if that makes sense but like like i think i think those films are important i just like am not in the place to really consume them and i don't really want them anymore you know i never felt a kind of schism about what was on television i grew up in a space where there were not lots of black people anywhere on media in the media i should say But in my own life, I felt affirmed as a young black woman. I didn't feel tortured and, you know, nobody looks like me and I don't see myself anywhere. I just did not have that experience. Um, And frankly, I didn't expect it. I didn't expect out there to really affirm me. Um, My parents and my sort of community network, um, there were some things that I didn't love, some things that weren't great. Um, about being a young black woman, right? You, you encounter certain things um, 
whether it's through young men or music or culture, right? You, 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 you run up against things that aren't necessarily affirming, right? But I never felt um, that didn't damage me. It didn't make me feel badly about being a young. Ooh, okay. Um, I think that's my line. Um, so, like, yeah, I think we just have to consider that media has the ability to enact social change, and that's why we care about it so much. Media is a reflection of who we are right now, and I think people just want to be able to be a part of the story of humanity. And that's what proper diversity gives us. Yeah. Ooh, I have a question. Yeah. So I guess we have to talk about kind of if like, so we're getting more representation in film, you know, obviously not enough, but we're getting like more of it. I guess I, I want to know, like, ideally, what is like, your perfect black film my perfect black film so when we say black film do you mean like direct like direct when i think black film i'm like okay behind the scenes was mostly black people like you could tell that there were black people in the writer's room like black producers black director and then also like black people on screen like that is what i'm thinking and to me that's where it has to start, right? Because you have to, because that's where these stories start. They start like on paper. Somebody had the idea to make, you know, every movie that you've ever seen. And so I feel like you have to start with the idea that it's going to represent you well or, you know, that you want to tell like a nuanced story about blackness, like from the jump. Um and actually, no, okay, wait, wait, what am I trying to say? Yeah, so if, you know, all of those boxes are checked, like, okay, this is clearly coming from black writers, this is clearly coming, you know, from a director, and then on screen, I don't know, I think that's a really hard question, because I don't think any film is perfect, um... For me, and I this honestly should probably be included in my top in my top five list. Sorry to bother you, by Boots Riley came out in twenty eighteen. It's probably like one of my favorite movies of all time, um, and I don't think it is perfect, but it tells a story, you know, of a guy in Oakland experiencing life like a lot of things happen to him and he is obviously moving through the world like as a black man so like those nuances um of having to assimilate at his job um the social implications that come with being from where he's from uh the effects of classism and capitalism on him uh, and all of those things are like very clear in the film but they are not like uh, overt and I think that is what makes it like a really good story is that like maybe I could see it because like I am a black person um, so I can like see all of the nuance and all of these themes like playing out but there's nothing like overtly traumatic or um, stereotypical even about the film and <laughs> I, I, I oh is that what you meant <laughs> but it just, like, has black in it, you know? yes <laughs> like, I... yeah i feel that i i personally <laughs> I really, I want to see, um, like, a black fantasy film. Like, I want it to be, like, very, like, Lord of the Rings, Dungeons and Dragons-esque, but it just, like, has black people in it, you know? <laughs> like, like I I want it to be, and I want it to be, like, the the people in it have, like, 
their own like diverse culture like in that setting you know like like think about the way that like wakanda is set up in black panther you know like like that but like specific to like this fantasy world you know like i want there to be magics i want there to be dragons i want there to be princesses and she had the princess has like these like beautiful like long dreads and she's like the baddest bitch in the world like i just want that you know <laughs> like i i want um Right, like I just want big escapism, you know. Like I just want it to be like completely out of this world, and I want something that's full of like of like color, and that's full of like uh, it's very visually stunning, and I don't know, like the message is like friendship or something, and there's like at least one musical number that <laughs> I know that's so cheesy, but I love musical numbers, so at least like one musical number and it's like an epic you know and there's one like key romance that you root for the whole film so (laughs) yes i want to see you know black kids starring in ya films you know i want to see a little black girl taking down some uh dystopian like oppressive government you know what i'm saying like i want to see um uh black vampire kids doing black vampire kids stuff like i want to see all of that so right i want like i want like you know kind of like like a john green main character but he's like a black boy and he's just like soft and he like programs computers (laughs) i don't know like something something like that you know where it's just like it's real like innocent like i want like a ooh like, like like a coming of age movie about um just like a young black boy which kind of like what what moonlight is moonlight is a coming of age movie but you know something like that you know or i want i want more black queer films like moonlight and rafiki which is which i should have had also in my top five that's also a beautiful movie but you know like things that are about being black and queer i would love more of that because i think those are like really important uh so yeah that's kind of what i want my film to look like and like i i keep thinking about like why it is that i want this and again it's kind of like i want this because i feel like i feel like i've had to like put myself into a box of like media that i can enjoy and characters that i can imprint upon because of like the kind of tropes that have i've been available to me you know and i think i just like it's really just like my deep-seated want of more characters that look like me and are having like multifaceted experiences you know like the the character who I relate to the most isn't even in like a visual media she's in a podcast you know like that I, that I listen to called the, the penumbra pod uh, her name's Rita and I love her and like that's the character I relate to the most and I only like and I can't even like see her you know and I just kind of wish that like more black kids got to experience that feeling and experience that like in like a visual media in that way you know because I had to wait until I was like almost 20 something to like listen to Rita in the Pepper podcast when I could have like had that earlier so I don't know I just really want you know I feel like there's something special about being able to imprint yourself onto a character in that way and i feel like when you don't have diverse kind of character types you don't get that chance you know but for younger people of whatever age i think it's important to in some ways realize that you know seeing yourself is valuable, as I said, right? When I saw Spike Lee, when I saw Stanley Nelson's films and their presence, and even later Black women filmmakers, of course it matters, but I don't want you to think that that's the only thing that matters, right? Like seeing yourself, of course it matters. I think seeing um, people do meaningful work is inspiring, right? All of those things do matter, um, but I think we also have to, understand that the voice that you cultivate sort of is even more important than that. So so coming to grips or coming into contact with your own sort of 
voice, your own power, that, that's, that's even more important, right? It's great if we can look out and see people inspiring us and we do need that, right? Um, but just to kind of trust that even if you don't see yourself or even if you don't like what you see, the representation, whatever it is, that find your, connect to your voice. That's even, I think, more important than sort of looking out and seeing how you're represented. We all want to be affirmed, right? We all need that, but um, that's only part of it, right? It's, it's really an inside job. It really is about discovering that you are worthy of doing whatever big thing you have in your heart or your mind to do. But I think it's also important, like in terms of representation, um, for us to, I don't wanna say stop asking, but like this is basically what we were saying at the top of the show of just like, we're tired, you know, we're not in the business of like begging to be in in these films. And I think we're in a place now because it's like the representation is only like half of it. Um, it's like caring for the characters, developing them, developing their arcs, developing like nuance in your story so that, you know, if it's well done, people will relate to it. And, uh, it goes further than I think just like asking to be in someone's film and I think we're in a place now where you know young black people black creators have the space to make work in a way that like they want to uh so it's like if I if I want this certain story to exist and it's like I can I can do that I can put that out there I can get with people like me I can I can create that and I think that's an opportunity that hasn't always existed um really you know but I think we should spend less time harping on representation that isn't there and more time right, like you know that's a lot of the reason it. why we made this show like we you know what i'm saying wanted to to make a space for yeah. ourselves that's that is the very reason why we made this show <laughs> yeah and so because it's like i can call tim burton every day and send him angry emails and beg him to put black people in his next movie if there is going to be one and you know he wouldn't he doesn't care so you know he's gonna get his bread he's gonna sleep on his pillow every day and wake up the next day like it's it's nothing to him so yeah basically that's it that's how I feel it's just like we I want to be able to take advantage of all the you know new technologies that we have new ways that we have of streaming content viewing content listening to content and I think we can you know, if not take up space in a medium that already exists, create a new medium, you know? Um, because there were generations of black people who didn't see it, right? They didn't see themselves represented and they didn't rely on that so much. They weren't sitting around like, well, where are we? And why aren't we represent? You know, it's like, well, yeah, you, know, you kind of just move internally a certain way and trust that um, if you build it, people will come, people will see you, people will discover the, the value that you bring to the world, whether or not you're represented or misrepresented. Right. Like, I at this point, I'm like, you know what? I think that there are just so many really talented Black creatives out there. And I feel like the older we get and the more time goes on, the more of them creatives are going to grow up and they're going to they're gonna find, like, the money and the time and the backing to give to give to give me that like you know high fantasy escapism black film you know like it's out there it's on somebody's computer right now and i keep thinking about that and that's what really kind of kind of gets me through um you know is thinking that you know one day i'm gonna see this character that i'm that i'm gonna really like enjoy and she's gonna be or they're gonna be like multifaceted and beautiful and that's just gonna happen because some like beautiful young black creative is gonna give that to me um but uh yasmin what are, what do you want our listeners to to take away from our discussion of black film today um oh to our dear dear listeners i if you take away anything 
hopefully would be a new watch list in case you haven't seen any of the films aforementioned. Um, and, you know, send us some suggestions. Send us your thoughts. Send us your feelings. I don't know. I would want our listeners to take away that film has been developing for like like a century if not more and it is so expansive and deep and everyone can have such varied relationships with it you know my relationship is different than Aaliyah's relationship is different than Dr. Prettyman's relationship with film Um, and I think that's something that makes it really beautiful is that uh, we can look at these pieces of art some of which have like shaped entire generations and you know others might not have been that dynamic but still might have a very specific place like in your heart or you might have interpreted that in a in a way that touches you and I think that that just speaks to the artistic nature of film and I think that it's as a medium like it's going to keep developing I feel like as long as people want to be entertained as long as one people want a form of escapism as long as people want to create like film will always exist um and develop and evolve so you know to if, if there are any future filmmakers or aspiring filmmakers listening to them specifically I would say make whatever you want write whatever you want produce whatever you want because no one's going to do it for you so you know to all the aspiring black creatives out there I say keep pushing you know like I think I think it's hard getting into like the business but you know I I, I just encourage you to like think about like a younger version of you who probably definitely like needs your voice and your body in that space you know and also I just kind of think that like film is like this like beautiful history book of who we are and where we've been and in a lot of cases where we're going and I think that's what's really important about having diverse films because you know like you know the world could fall away and you want people to be able to look back at this time and be able to see themselves in it and be able to see people who look like their friends and their family members in it. And like, that's what's important about including multiple voices in your films, not even just like in front of the camera, but also behind the camera, having like, you know, POC crew workers, POC writers, POC like, you know, like makeup and hairstylists, like all of that is incredibly important to making a good film, especially a film that includes people of color, you know, because that means we should be included every step of the way, you know, and I think that that's really important. We want like, we want holistic representation in film, you know, and it's important because like, you know, we all got our hands on history and it's just super important that like, to make sure that like everyone gets to make their mark on that history equally well it was a pleasure having dr michelle prettyman on the show thank you again for your you know shout out to her for setting a little expertise our way um so please love each other and yourselves and that's a wrap for our episode this week Aliyah, where can our listeners find you i am at it's Aliyah dorsey on twitter and instagram Yasmin, where can our listeners find you? I'm at Yasmin underscore SA. And as always, please follow us at Black Girl Tea Party on Instagram and search Black Girl Tea Party at Black Girl Tea Time on Twitter to stay up to date with episodes. Also, please subscribe. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get our podcast so that new people can find our show. Yes, we're streaming literally everywhere. So uh, you can also send us an email at blackgirlteaparty at gmail.com. Send us questions, ask for advice. Tell us what you want us to talk about or just tell us how much you love the show. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us about your favorite movies or movies that you think that we should watch. Um, and one, oh, I also want to give a quick shout out to someone. Um, a little while ago, we got a DM from a fan because we have fans fan. now. Oh my god! Um, 
Uh, her username is Miss Stewart Sings on Instagram, and she DM'd us on Instagram telling us how much she loves the show and that she's always excited to see our stuff in her feed. So thank you so much for that, ma'am. We really appreciate you as well as we appreciate all of our listeners. Yes, we love to see it. Um, but please, if you want to like, you know, show us some love, definitely hit us up in our DMs, slide into our DMs, or um, send us an email, um, and we may, you know, read your stuff aloud on the show. Um, but with that being said, once again, thank you guys so much for listening. Remember to love often and with all your heart, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>